0: I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q A. a But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, LGBTQ plus bars in the city are outraged after surprise inspections from the state's Liquor and Cannabis Board. Two local businesses are filling spaces vacated by Starbucks on Capitol Hill and in the Central District, and influencers are testing for lead in their Seattle-based Stanley Cups. But don't worry, it's fine. Ticket editor Chase Burns and Seattle Now producer Claire McGrain are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. Providence Hospitals in Washington has agreed to pay roughly $158 million to low-income patients. The agreement settles a lawsuit from the state attorney general. It accused the hospital of aggressively badgering low-income patients for payments instead of directing them towards financial assistance. The debt relief and refunds will go to nearly 100,000 people. The hospital system also must implement new ways to determine whether patients are eligible for financial assistance before attempting to collect payment. Amazon's stock was trading 8 percent higher after the company's net income topped $30.4 billion in 2023. On an earnings call Thursday, CEO Andy Jassy said Amazon had a record-breaking holiday season, which included Prime Day in October. Revenue during the fourth quarter jumped 14% to $170 billion. Amazon has been trimming expenses and employees. The company laid off more than 27,000 people in the last year and a half. And good news for electric vehicle drivers. The state will spend $85 million to install thousands of EV charging stations. Seattle Times reports the funding comes in part from the state's sale of greenhouse gas emission allowances. And Washington drivers like their EVs. The governor's office estimates there are 125,000 electric vehicles on the road right now, second only to California. Hey there, just a heads up. This conversation happened Thursday afternoon. Thursday evening, the stranger reported the state liquor and cannabis board decided to pause enforcement on the lewd conduct laws we talk about in the show. We'll put a link in the show notes to the stranger's coverage if you want to find out more. Hey, hey, it's Friday. Hope your weekend starts soon. Chase Burns is here. He's an editor at The Ticket. Great to have you in the studio, Chase.
1: Hello. Happy Friday.
0: Yeah, in person. Claire McGrain is here, too. She's a producer on Seattle now. Claire, so glad you're here.
2: I'm glad I'm here, although I'm not feeling very casual because I had to put on outside pants to come to the studio. (laughs) I know.
0: We dragged you in. We dragged you in. You're a hero today, Claire. All right. Before we talk about the big story of the week, you two, it is now illegal to throw your batteries away in the city. You can't put them in the trash anymore. Batteries leak harmful chemicals. They can catch fire. They pose a risk to people and the environment. And this has actually been illegal since January 1st, but I have to ask you both. What have you been doing with your batteries (laughs) up until now? Because I didn't think they could ever go in the trash. Chase, do you put them in?
1: I didn't think they could go in the trash either, but I might have put them in the trash. Um, (laughs) I, I live in an apartment building and there's like no battery receptacle. I'm not putting the blame on the building. It's my responsibility. But if there was a receptacle, I would be putting them in there.
0: Sure. You would do the right thing if it was available to you in front of you.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: Well, it wasn't even wrong until January 1st, which, again, I find surprising. Claire, what do you do with your batteries?
2: I have a Ziploc baggie of shame. (laughs) that is filled with, like, five years' worth of batteries that are leaking those toxic chemicals you mentioned into the inside of the baggie, which is not a good situation. Yeah. So um, I'm moving as well, so I think I just need to gather all my light bulbs and electronics and take them somewhere.
0: No, the city says you can call for pickup with their special pickup Mm. program. So that's what they actually want you to do. But, yeah, like you two, I didn't think this was a thing, so... I feel like I've been privileged, though, because KUOW, we are a radio station. We use a lot of batteries. We've always had this big bucket in the mailroom or in the studios where you drop your batteries. So that's what I've been doing for like 20-plus years. Although, like you, (laughs) Chase, once in a while, I apologize to Mother Nature and pitch them in in the trash. If you put your batteries in the trash, the city says they won't fine you, but... Seattle public utility workers will leave your trash behind and tag your bin <laughs> with a note asking you to remove those items. So, kind of like a garbagey scarlet letter for yeah, your bin. Yeah,
1: my bin in my apartment will be tagged every single week because I, people put couches in the recycling bin. <laughs> so it's just it's chaos at my. This building. is not going to
0: go well. This is not going to go well oh, again. Gosh. I feel like so many things. They'll capture the twenty percent of people who are like, "Oh, we're not allowed to do that anymore." Let me call the city and have them pick up my batteries, and the rest of y'all mm-hmm. are just going to throw them in there and catch me if you can, Seattle. Which yeah. is not me.
1: I've never thrown a, a, a couch into a recycling bin. I've maybe <laughs> done things close, but not
0: that. All right. Let's dive into the big story of the week. Law enforcement officials surprise inspected four LGBTQ plus bars and clubs over the weekend. Customers and staff are not happy. Of course, important to note that inspection officials visited other bars over the weekend, not just queer spaces, including my old lunch spot on the Ave, Finn McCool's. State Liquor and Cannabis Board inspectors didn't find any alcohol-related violations, but officers told managers at three of those clubs, neighbors, the Cuff Complex, and the Seattle Eagle, they observed lewd conduct violations. Officers said they saw customers wearing jock straps, saw a male bartender expose a nipple at the cuff, which could net them a citation for violating state law. You see, this is funny here in the city of Seattle. As Vivian McCall and The Stranger pointed out, people can play kickball in their jock straps at nearby Cal Anderson Park, but risk a citation for walking into a Capitol Hill bar in that outfit. The law intended to prohibit strip clubs from serving alcohol in Washington state. I open this to the floor. Does this action fit the spirit of the law?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so, this, I used to work in the nightlife beat for The Stranger, and so I've been covering this for a little bit. And this is like, this has been going on for a really long time. Um, and I think a lot of people feel like these lewd conduct violations are just really out of place. I think there's a lot of ignorance around them just in the general public. I just think that people think that we're a very permissive state in, in this regard. Mm. But in actuality, the laws in the books are, are very restrictive around nudity when it comes to nudity near liquor. Yeah. Um, and probably some of the most strict laws around that type of lewd, lewdness in the in the country, um, in that it impacts, uh, like like you said, strippers and uh, the the feeling at strip clubs, and so it's it's wide ranging. Um, I was not surprised when I heard this because I know this actually happens fairly often. But I think that when it happens in a way where they're coming into the club with flashlights, like people reported, it's just like. It's a very tense experience for everyone involved. And so hopefully this will be a moment where we can um, reflect on these laws and at a time when the legislature's in session are, and going to, to consider issues like this. So it's a moment where we can maybe talk and change some things.
2: Yeah. The law is one thing. The tactics are part of this story as well. I tried to look into what exactly lewd conduct means because I was like, an exposed male nipple? Really? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. why is someone having a kind of open shirt a lewd conduct violation? And Chase, maybe you know better, but the only document that I found online from the State Cannabis and Liquor Board does not define it. It just says lewd conduct as part of a list of things you can be cited for. And that amount of gray area really leaves it open to misapplication to abuse in all sorts of settings, I think.
1: Yeah, it gets pretty specific in some places in weird ways, like there's a certain amount of cloth that needs to cover genitals and that includes the the butt side of the genitals, which is why things like jock straps aren't allowed. And also like if you have like a bare breast, even if there's a pasty on it, there's supposed to be a certain amount of distance between the performer and the audience, which in in context like drag and burlesque can become really complicated, especially when you have different genders wearing different pieces. And so you have, like, people of all genders wearing breastplates. And so, like, when is it a breastplate? When is it a natural breast? Like, these are things that we're having, like, liquor control board officers come into clubs and decide. And so that is where the tension comes because... These, these things seem so silly, I think, to most people when they hear them. And I would assume that the Liquor Control Board officers, I would hope, feel a little uncomfortable having to judge this themselves.
0: Yeah. And we should talk about specifically what people said happened that night at the cuff. People said 10 officials walked in after midnight. They walked through with flashlights. They took photos of people. That's intense and scary in a lot of situations, right? At the Eagle in Capitol Hill, the owner told Seattle Times officials arrived during an underwear party, walked into the middle of the dance floor and started taking pictures of people. What can we make of this? You know, there's a history here in this city and nationally of targeted and violent attacks on the queer community. Even the Liquor Control Board said This was kind of out of step with the way they interpret these things.
1: Yeah, and if you think of things like the Fremont Solstice Parade, like we know that we in Seattle have like a permissive attitude around nudity, but then when it comes to like a 21 and up bar, suddenly there's all these restrictions. And it, it does extend to um, you know our strip club culture in Washington. I think people who've been to Oregon have seen that Portland has a very different culture around strip clubs than Washington does, and that's because of our laws. And, you know, I don't know if people have been to strip clubs that often, but I saw Stormy Daniels perform at Showgirls. Um, and I had a great time. But it's a weird vibe in, in Washington strip clubs because no one can drink alcohol. And what I've often seen is that people then go into their cars and drink in their cars and then they come back into the club, which creates a more tense environment. So, this issue around nudity and liquor, I think, interacts with the state as a whole. Um, so, it's like not just a Seattle issue, it interacts with like Spokane and Yakima. And so, I think we can talk about it in a broad way too.
2: I want to go back to something you said, though, Trish. Literal law enforcement officers came into these clubs and started shining flashlights around and taking photos of people. Mm -hmm. That would have super freaked me out. And I am a member of Seattle's queer community who does not go out very much. I do a lot of board game nights at home. But if I was in any sort of situation in a public place where law enforcement officers started taking photos of me, never mind taking photos of me. Out Doing something that like I don't want spread all over the Internet, for example, that's really scary. And like that idea freaks me out so much.
0: And to your point, Claire, the public disclosure requests that will be filed, which I am sure are filed already, will reveal people's photos as part of that disclosure. And that in itself... If the club is the one who gets the citation, why should the person in the photograph be exposed? Mm -hmm. And it
1: puts the club in a very weird position, too, because what the club is having to do is that they're having to suddenly go around with their staff and, like, measure, like, is your underwear thick enough to be Uh, permissible? uh, So that's also creating tension between the club, which they don't want to do themselves.
2: And it's a sad reality that sometimes it takes something kind of horrible happening For a law to be changed or for change to happen. And so I hope that is something good that can come out of the harm that people have experienced in this, that it is a catalyst for something to change, which based on the comments from the State Liquor and Cannabis Board, it sounds like they're open to. So I'm curious how that process is going to play out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's long overdue. I mean, I remember when I started working at The Stranger, like, Dan Savage would talk about this issue and how it happened, like, in the early 2000s and how it happened in the late 2000s. I mean, this happens every, like, four or five years. Um, I think there's just a good group of people that sort of catalyzed attention around this at the right moment. But it's, it's been ongoing.
0: We'll see where it goes. All right. Moving on. Capitol Hill Seattle reports that Hillcrest Market-born Carmelo's Tacos is making plans to open a new restaurant in the space formerly home to the Starbucks at Broadway and Denny. That location was the first Starbucks to unionize in the city and was shuttered by the coffee giant in 2022 over what it says was public safety concerns. Chase, you live on Capitol Hill. Are we meeting for tacos at Carmelo's?
1: We are definitely meeting for tacos at Mm -hmm. Carmelo's. I love Carmelo's. I've been a long standing fan of Carmelo's. I think like a lot of people in the neighborhood. I do feel a little bad for Tacos Chukis because Tacos Chukis on Broadway used to be the spot. And I will say that since Carmelo's opened, there are not as many people Mm. there. But Tacos Chukis has a lot of locations, so it's okay. And (laughs) Carmelo's rocks. They're known for like a Campechano taco, which is like Mm -hmm. a mixture of meats with like a little bit of potato and then like some cactus leaves so it's very they're very good and they also have vegan and veggie options for everything so people love it
0: i love that idea Hmm. and other local businesses in former big business location news black coffee northwest is also opening in a former starbucks location in the central district that location too closed by the company for safety reasons I think this is a blessing in disguise because I am actually happy that smaller Mm. local businesses are filling these former big business spaces. Because if you can't, if you can't be in the neighborhood, then don't be in the neighborhood, I guess.
2: I think what this really highlighted for me is Starbucks, but also chains like Target, Bartels that have been closing locations in the city. They are looking at the bottom line. They're looking at the numbers of transactions and the number of people coming in, the foot traffic, and they're making decisions based on the bottom line. And I think especially for Starbucks, this is in contrast to the role that it wants to play in people's lives, Mm -hmm. right? It kind of positions itself as a third place where you can come and hang out, study, have a meeting, do some creative work, as long as you're buying enough coffee to justify taking up that chair that your butt's in. Mm. And I think you're right, Trish, that, you know, these small businesses coming in is a good thing and hopefully will help kind of lift the neighborhood. I'm always up for a taco meeting. Yes. And that
1: space is cool. I never went into that Starbucks. It was known as the Gay Bucks because it was very locally. That is what the neighborhood called it. It was a more gay Starbucks than normal. Um, But I didn't go in there because I don't really I don't go into Starbucks that much. But the space Mm -hmm. is big. So having a Carmelo's in there will be nice.
0: Yeah. You know, I wonder from a consumer standpoint, are either of you actually concerned about safety at your neighborhood businesses?
1: I, I mean, safety is like, uh, safety is definitely an issue in some instances in Seattle, but it's definitely hyperbolized mm. and sensationalized. Um, so I think that when you try to minimize it or hyperbolize it, that just gets us into a culture war. Um, like, there's certainly issues that businesses face, but I think it is not as scary as a lot of people are making it out to be. I mean, Carmelo's is a great example, they're a taco window. All of their customers are waiting on the street, um, and there's always a line, like, literally sometimes, like, wrapped around the block right where that Starbucks was. So if it's so unsafe, I just don't think that you would have crowds of people at almost all hours of the day just hanging out in the street. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I walk around the city with a very open eye. But that's just me in the city. That's like you in the world these days, right? That's any city for me. That's really any space. I'm just aware. Anyway, someone commented on the Capitol Hill Seattle blog post comparing Starbucks to Boeing, once a source of hometown pride, but not anymore.
1: In some ways, I'm like, you know what? I agree about that comparison. I don't think Starbucks could kill you in the same way. Um, I do okay, think. True. I do think bad, not that bad. I think Boeing's plane getting a hole in the middle of the flight is a little more intense, but the coffee is, you know, the coffee should be at the right temperature. That could be dangerous.
0: (laughs) One last thing before we go. Seattle-based Stanley. Seattle-based Stanley. I can't believe that. It's been in the news for what feels like weeks. These big cups with the built-in straws that keep your drink warm or cold, but also fit neatly into cup holders are very popular right now. Huge success for this company. Although I went back and looked at their stock history, they have murky financial history. (laughs) Like, the the stock has not been doing well. If you look at it over the past five years, not skyrocketing. Anyway, did either of you see that TikTok? The one of the burned out car with Mm -hmm. the Stanley Cup drink inside?
1: No. Okay.
0: Yes. I swear to God, this is actually either the most brilliant marketing stunt or the most brilliant marketing win for this company.
2: I think it was a total accident, right? This girl's car burned down. The Stanley was still sitting in the cup holder, untouched, basically. Wow. Jingle, jingle, there was ice, ice in it. Oh. Oh. And I think I don't think that this was orchestrated by Stanley, but Stanley jumped on it. Yeah. And they bought her a new car. They bought her a new oh, car.
1: It's a symbol of resistance yeah. now. But, <laughs> but then it turned. Uh-huh. I was very late to the Stanley Cup, <laughs> the Stanley Cup drama. Um and when you just said that it could fit neatly in a cup holder, That's... I was like, Oh, I get it. Totally. Because it's so big, but then it can also fit in a cup holder. Mm-hmm. I was like, I understand why people like it. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, and it's a weapon, honestly. (laughs) Talk about staying aware in the city, man. You got your Stanley. You can knock somebody to the curb with that thing if you need to.
1: And colors. Lots of colors. Lots of Mm. colors.
0: Honestly, though, social media giveth and social media taketh away. This week, the media attention has been pretty negative because it's all about the lead, like you mentioned, Chase. People are posting videos using at-home lead tests on their massive Stanley cups, and they are coming back positive. So...
2: Okay, I feel like I have to whip out my Claire cabinet, Science my... <laughs> my... <laughs> Journalist comes back. Enter Claire. So two things about this. At-home lead tests are not particularly effective, especially if you don't buy them from a reputable seller. But the other thing is there is lead in Stanley's. They've been very clear about this. They use lead to seal part of the cup. But it is so deep in there and the cup is so indestructible that it is never going to make it into your drink. It's never going to touch your skin. So I think I think there is a level of bad actor's online, like influencers, media, who are hyping this up to a level that it does not warrant.
0: Or confirmation bias for people who are really fearful of Mm -hmm. things like lead. And if I remember correctly, the lead is actually in the liner, Mm -hmm. right? It's in the liner, so...
2: I don't
1: know. Maybe now's my time to get one. I don't know. It seems I've been waiting to buy and now it's controversial. So
2: Here's a pitch for Stanley. Make little cups with jock straps and sell them at local (laughs) queer bars.
1: Yes.
2: And male nipples. Maybe just
0: one. (laughs) Oh, my God. And we are leaving it there. Chase Burns is the editor at The Ticket. Claire McGrain is a producer on Seattle Now. Really appreciate you two. Thanks. Thanks. See you out there. Thanks. Good to see you both. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. An extra thanks to the generous financial supporters of this show. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy.